0: What's up everybody and welcome back to How Musicians Make It. My name is Adam, I'm your host and today I'm talking with Tegan Devin. Tegan is a singer-songwriter who won the Mid-Atlantic Songwriting Contest for her song Our Garden, which we'll get into a little bit and you actually get to hear pieces of it on this show. And she was a student at McNally Smith College of Music where I was teaching She was in one of my classes, one of my theory classes maybe. So I wasn't working with her as a songwriter, but I knew that she was doing cool things. And I've sort of been following her career since. Uh, She just spent a whole bunch of time doing like a sort of like songwriting workshop school in Europe. And she talks about that experience, which I think is really interesting because it's a lot to do with like how to collaborate as a songwriter, what collaboration looks like. Uh, where good ideas come from, and things like that. So we get into the uh, nitty-gritty of songwriting, which is something that I like to do as well. And actually, Tegan and I have been uh, talking about maybe working together a little bit, and I hope that does happen sometime in the future. Before we run the interview, I just want to tell you what I've got going on with me. I'm going to be in Minneapolis uh, playing at the AIM Center in Burnsville with the great Steve Cole on Friday uh, this coming Friday after this episode drops, so Friday the 18th of August. That same weekend I'm recording a bunch of short horn things with some Prince alum players like St. Paul Peterson on bass and Kirk Johnson on drums. They're all written by my buddy Scott Agster who played trombone in Nookie Jones. So we were like the horn section of Nookie Jones together for a long time. And he's plays in like Jack Brass Band, a lot of bands that I've played in over the years. Uh, Scott was also in those bands. So, Scott came up with this idea to write a bunch of short horn band kind of things using rhythm section players from that older school era, which I think is really cool, really great idea. It's actually, it was sparked because I was doing this 17 singles in 17 weeks thing with Lulu's Playground, and we saw some pretty cool numbers happen. Over the course of that 17 weeks, which have since died down pretty significantly, which I think is a lesson in and of itself. But Scott was like, I'm going to give this a try. And so we're doing it together. I'm playing lead trumpet. I've been shedding like crazy. We're recording that this weekend as well. So that's what's going on with me. Real quick, the podcast is brought to you by Gig Boss, which is an app that is an organizational tool for freelance musicians and band leaders. Organize your schedules. Organize your finances. Do it all in one place. Go download the app. It's totally free. Here's my conversation with Tegan Devin. So where are you right now?
1: I'm in North Carolina. I'm on an island called Bald Head Island. I'm with my family usually. Well, I've been in Europe for like on and off for the past nine months. But from Maryland, my family usually comes here for the summer. And currently I'm living with them in, in from July to like early fall for the past four years. This will be my fifth year. I volunteer here as a sea turtle nest monitor so
0: wow cool so it's all it must be around you're surrounded by water it's an island
1: it's i think it's technically a peninsula so they're lying but
0: yeah yeah (laughs) i've lived on a couple peninsulas myself right now we live in the keweenaw peninsula and that's fun that's fun life surrounded by surrounded by water we're surrounded by great lakes but north carolina is that big water or
1: it's big water yeah Atlantic Ocean stuff. Nice. Cape here River. Yeah, I, I love it. It's my my favorite place on Earth. I'm currently in like a screened porch so you can hear a few birds and stuff in the background. I'm sorry if you hear. Yesterday I was trying to like film a short Instagram video, which didn't happen because apparently the squirrels here are really loud. But it's
0: fine. <laughs> so you had to bag the Instagram video because of the loud squirrels?
1: Yeah. Also, I'm just I'm learning to, you know, I'm still timid when it comes to taking videos and putting them online, even though I have to, even if it's like a little, you know, Instagram or TikTok. I love TikTok as a consumer, but I don't love being on camera.
2: Yeah.
0: So
1: trying to get through that, I should have just gotten through it. But
0: Well, (laughs) you know, it's like I I talked to a lot of people on this podcast and we talk about whether or not social media is necessary today and a lot of people say yeah of course it is but i also know a lot of musicians who are full time players who don't use social media at all i imagine yeah. that that's probably the case for a lot of songwriters too who aren't who like you're saying like don't like to be on camera but are great songwriters and want other people to play their songs is that how you see yourself uh, you've released albums yourself and and you're like winning awards and stuff so how do you view yourself as an artist are you trying to be become a you know, singer, songwriter, performer, in the public eye? Are you really hoping other people will play your songs or a mix of both? Both. Yeah.
1: Both for sure. I definitely want to continue releasing music. I need to perform more. COVID kind of stopped that a little bit, and I also deal with a jaw problem. Do you know what TMJ is? I do, yeah. Yeah, so I deal with that, and I haven't performed as much, but I want to get back into it. Definitely want to release more music, but I would also love to – write for others as well it's kind of a dream like how cool would it be if like a big artist released one of my songs or writing with other people for their projects i have a lot of fun doing that i did that a lot this year and it's just i don't know i really enjoy the process of kind of interviewing people when you're helping write the song about what they're going through and it's like a therapy session and it's you know nice and i get to kind of try to pull the best out of the people that I'm working with and myself right. um, in the comfortable situation so I love doing that too um, so yeah everything
0: cool do you find that where you are now is an inspiring place to write music you said it's one of your favorite places in the world
2: yeah yeah
1: I do here it's actually nice because I do other things outside of music um, and I think life also inspires you. Because for the past nine months, I know I said I've been in Europe, I was in this intensive music, contemporary music program, and I was mostly a session writer in the room. Sometimes I did do some of my own stuff, and actually two songs I did there I'm planning on releasing for myself. But um, cool. I have written so much, and I'm just, I was super burned out. Hmm. Uh, at the end, and a lot of my friends are feeling the exact same way who went through it. But at the end, I have this attitude adjustment because I don't know, I think we were all taking it very seriously, and I felt like I was doing a lot of music that sounded the same. And I don't know, I couldn't ingest more music, like listen to music. And I always think listening makes you a better writer. Yep. So you get out of that
0: people. rut of feeling like you're writing something that sounds the same over and over again.
1: Exactly. And also, there's we were in a very small town, so I didn't get to see much live music either. Mm. And I also think that that kind of rejuvenates you. I kind of had an attitude adjustment at the end where I was like, taking this too seriously. Mm. Like this all started out as fun. And the artists that I was writing with, I was kind of like, I think we're all taking this a little too seriously. And at the end of the day, I'm writing to make something that the artist likes. So, that's what we should think about and make sure everyone's comfortable in the room
0: mm-hmm. more
1: than anything else. Well, I imagine too, to... like
0: songwriting is probably better when everybody in the room is having a little bit of fun too. And like the vibe yeah. is a little bit looser. People feel comfortable to give ideas. That's a huge part of writing with someone, right? Is like that openness. Mm-hmm. Yep. So what? tell me more about this program. What is the program in particular? Were you there as a student?
1: Yeah, so I guess... It's technically a school. It's called Lillehammer Institute of Music Production and Industries. So we were in Lillehammer, Norway, Wow. and I kind of treated it as a graduate program, but like everyone has different levels. It's kind of a weird situation. I had graduated from Berkeley and I realized that I, I graduated with a professional music degree with a concentration in songwriting. And, you know, I was like songwriter, songwriting major at McNally yep. and all this stuff. And that's what I love. And I've done, you know, my own music, but I hadn't been in this like studio session environment where I'm writing with and other people or for other people like pop and things like that, which I love. I love pop music right now. It's been hard to like ingest pop music recently, but I'm getting back to it.
0: Why, why is it hard? What's hard about it?
1: Just so much of it, writing it, listening to it. I felt like I got a little bit sick of it, but now i'm getting back to it especially because a lot of the pop music i listen to is like for instance sabrina carpenter she has a song called skinny dipping and in the song she talk sings in the verses and you can remember the melody and it's so cool that she does both of those things and it like it works so it's pop music that has something different i've been listening to a lot of that Mm. and like nerding out over that and it's been really fun thinking about that for my own music so i'm i'm having fun with it again, but I just, it just got a little monotonous and just, I think it had to do with burnout in general. Um, yeah. of just writing a lot of music, but in the program, um, we had songwriters, artists, producers, and, um, I was one of the songwriters. We actually, we were supposed to have like an equal number of all three, but we had way more artists <laughs> than songwriters. Cause you got to choose your concentration. Yep in the next, in the second semester. Everybody yeah. wants to
0: be a star, baby. Yeah, that's,
1: <laughs> and I just wanted to, I came there to write. Yeah. I already knew that's what I was gonna do before I got there. I did do one of the showcases. I wrote a Christmas song, which is weirdly one of the ones that everyone loved while I was there. There you go.
0: That's your million <laughs> um, dollars right there.
1: That would be great. I thought it was pretty funny considering I'm Jewish yeah. and I definitely have never taken a crack. Well, I'm
0: pretty sure, uh, uh, white Christmas was written by somebody who's Jewish. I think a lot of really famous Christmas songs were written by Jewish writers, which is really interesting to me.
1: Yeah. No, it was. Yeah. I wrote a lot that I didn't expect to write. Things like that. Yeah. I, was... I actually wrote that when I was, when I had COVID by myself, we had like this mini competition I was like at home and I wanted to participate I was like, oh no. So I wrote <laughs> something. And did it have
0: to be a, like a holiday theme song? Was that the idea?
1: Yeah. 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 So I spent it as a songwriter and, you know, I did kind of misperforming. By the end, I was like, you know what? I, I really want to go back to working on my music, my own music a lot. I missed that. Yep. But there were certain people that I wrote a lot with. Like I found my lane and certain people because I had a really fun I wrote, I was in the room and helped write. I think we did a rock song pop, I helped with a dance hall song once actually I helped it. I clearly I am not fluent in Swedish, but I helped write a Swedish pop song because I helped with the top lines. And then also I like I said, with the interviewing kind of with the artist, I spent a really long time with the artist kind of asking her questions about what we were writing about, the angle and the order of what we were going to say and just getting everything together. And that was cool. I'm really proud of that, actually.
0: Yeah. <laughs> um, so I know some people who've written music that was really meant more for other countries. And there was a blend of English. And in this instance, it was like French and English were both in the song. And it was it became yeah. like a song that was on a smart car commercial in France. Um, cool. <clears throat> Is that Was there a mix of Swedish and English in a, in a song that you were writing, or was it like an all-Swedish pop song?
1: It was all Swedish. Yeah. That was... Yeah, it was all Swedish. That artist, she's great. I have no idea if she's going to do anything with the song. That's the thing. We wrote a lot of music, and we'll see um, yeah. if people are going to release it. But she wants to be partially a Swedish pop star. And she's great, super talented, and she wanted to write in Swedish. And our producer is Norwegian, and they he can understand that it's pretty you can understand both if you're Swedish or Norwegian and I am not fluent in either. Yeah. I was like how the hell am I going <laughs> to participate but I'm not going to just pout there in the corner. You know, I'm going to do what I can help with. Yeah. So I helped and I actually had a really good time. It's just like having a good attitude. I always say you should be like a tourist hmm. in in music. It's good to be a local and everything but I love traveling. I love seeing new things. And that's how I think about music as well. Be respectful. Listen and learn, you know.
0: Right. Yeah, that's cool. Um, I want to talk about your song, Our Garden.
2: Love is just like
0: a dream. Uh, which one, the Mid-Atlantic. Song contest, grand prize, right? Uh, I remember you, like I read somewhere that you found this song on your like voice memos or something like that. And it was kind of an afterthought to record it. Can you talk about the process of like finding that song, recording it, winning the competition and what that's done for you so far?
1: Um, I wrote that song probably when I was a freshman in college mm-hmm. um, for one of my friends who was just feeling down about um love like they were never going to find someone and they were going to settle and i like doing that I-, I like writing songs inspired by the people in my life on my album i have two songs actually inspired by the same friend <laughs> which is a completely different friend but and i don't know she really loved our garden it was Named something different. I don't even know what that was. But I just wrote it for her. Hmm. So it was more specific
0: to her. sure.
1: Uh, And I've grown as a writer, so I can now step outside the art a little bit and look And as a writer. You know the saying, kill your darlings?
0: I feel like I've heard a similar... I can't remember what the word is, but a really similar phrase, yeah.
1: Yeah, like basically take away your attachment yeah so you can step out of it i i actually don't believe in i kind of hate that phrase i've also heard kill your babies which is like a disturbing i was thinking um,
0: that and i don't don't know why it's like so disturbing but i get it like you know you're using baby obviously as a metaphor so
1: it makes sense it makes sense i i like to say raise them Hmm. don't kill them like pick your favorites but like raise them because that's a harsh way to look at things because it is art at the end of the day yeah. but
0: and raising them could mean a number of things and it's probably a, a good thing to be thinking about it as a songwriter is like how do you i don't know what that could mean how do you get it in front of people how do you get it maybe reviewed by somebody that could get more ears on it that would be essentially raising a baby right exactly. <laughs> get a little exactly. song baby and get it out there
1: Exactly. It's more about growth in any process when it comes to writing the song, releasing the song, promoting exactly. I think that's a more positive light to think of the kind of the same thing. Yeah. But I found it after years and years. I have so many voice memos on my phone yeah. of old things, of snippets of things. I have notes on my notes app of songs since I was like a teen, mm-hmm. not like 19, like
2: 15.
1: Yeah. <laughs> that are horrifying to look at. <laughs> uh, you're so dramatic when you're a kid. <laughs> yeah. I was just listening and I found it and I was like, this is kind of a really beautiful message and I like this song and I was kind of like, I might need this for me also. Sometimes you get into that point in your life where you listen to something and go, Hey, I th- I think that this song wasn't just for the person that I wrote it for. Yeah. And then I was like, you know, if I'm going to have to release this, this is going to take some editing because it's too specific, hmm. you know, specific enough that it's relatable, but also universal enough that it's relatable. Right. The balancing act. Yeah. Um,
0: that's one of the tricks as a songwriter, right? Making it feel like anybody that hears it could maybe identify with it, or at least a, a group of people could identify with it.
1: Exactly. Yeah. And that can be very, very difficult with your, with your babies. Yeah. Your darling
0: yeah. Uh, so you edited but- it, you changed lyrics. The song to me it just like feels nostalgic to me. Like there's something about the way like the guitar part on it,
2: mm-hmm.
0: the progression, there's something about the progression that, that immediately makes you feel like you've heard it before. Mm-hmm. You know? Which I think is yeah. one of those characteristics that's really special when you hear that in a song was was that a part of your thought process of writing that song? How the guitar part goes, how the how the music of it flows?
1: Kind of. In the um bridge, there's like an instrumental part there. The guitar part. I wrote that and I play it on there. Um and that was kind of the I remember doing that specifically on purpose because I'm not like if you see me live, I'm more of a like I guess, yeah, thoughtfulness about progressions and like little harmony things that I call spices, basically more than like doing a little solo here and there, but I wanted to do that. So that was intentional and I don't normally do that. I'm capable, but it's just my brain goes to a different place. I don't know exactly if the rest was intentional. It's in a different, it's not in standard tuning. So I think it was me screwing around with it's D D A D F sharp B D, so so you get some kind that, of like interesting
0: different things that come out of that when you write with a non-standard tuning.
1: Yeah, it's like some weird form of what, like B minor seven or whatever, whatever function it's in. I'm not thinking about it too hard. Sure, I actually don't really know what I was playing, which is not usual because I actually do. Some people say that theory puts you in a box Mm -hmm. i agree and disagree because i've always liked to try out different things but now after years of theory training which i've definitely forgotten some of it but (laughs) um, i think it's nice to know what i'm doing yeah and have some options and I have this thing called synesthesia. I don't know if you know that I have that. Do you know what that is? I don't know
0: that you have that. I do the sound colors, colors and sounds. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Cool.
1: So that sometimes makes me a little bit more intentional with what I do, or like my first album, fingers crossed when I listen to, or the art has all the colors that I see when I listen to the songs and our garden, the main background color green, that's what I see like that specific green and that art by the way i just have to shout her out was done by my friend queen sleepyhead but that's her art name she also makes music and she's fantastic i actually think that you would like her stuff her artist name is shyly my producer on our garden chris dupont is wonderful and lovely and a friend of mine and i love working with her.
0: <laughs> cool yeah I, I got a couple things here so first of all white christmas was written by Irving Berlin. There you go. Okay. So that that is... <laughs> I had to look that up because I knew it was a Jewish composer, but I couldn't remember who. But nostalgia is powerful. That's a powerful thing in music. And I read some study was done that like people stop trying to discover new music after the age of 25. It's like they just... Once you hit 25 the vast majority of people just listen to things that they listen to from the time that they were like in their teens to the time that they're 25. And now that I'm 38, it's like, that's totally not how I am. Mm-hmm. But also sometimes I'm like, yeah, let's toss on this dashboard confessional record. And, I love them. <laughs> yeah. I'm a big, big fan of dashboard. I've spent a lot of time writing songs myself, but it's taken cool. me a long time to get to the place where I feel like okay about doing that. It's a fun aspect of my life. And so like, yeah think about that nostalgic power in songwriting, you know, just in terms of tonality, in terms of the general tonality of a song, certainly subject matter, but yeah, just like the instrumental tonality of a song and how that can bring someone right back to where they were as a kid, whether or not it's the thing that they heard when they were a kid, you know. It's like music has that great power. I used to play in this band that would play at old folks' homes and it was like old style swing music and the director once was like see if you can remember where you were when you heard this song and we played like in the mood or something. And like everybody's crying. It's like all these old people crying because they're just remembering being kids and hearing this song in the 40s. And that was my first time when I was like, damn, music is really powerful. You know, such a cool, such a cool thing. So you win the Mid-Atlantic Songwriting Contest with Our Garden. What came along with that? Was there some kind of award that came along with that? like working with a producer or something like that?
1: I won some money, which was nice. Oh, hey, there Um, you go. And also a little bit because before I won grand prize, that won gold in the folk acoustic category. Like a
0: previous Uh, year?
1: No, that's same. So basically you win an award and then they pick from all like the gold winners who wins the whole thing. And I was pretty shocked. I did not expect it I've won awards with them in the past. That was the first golds that I had won before the grand prize. And that was really exciting. So I know I love MASC. I know of them through Songwriters Association of Washington, DC. Yep. And yeah, they're, it was, it's great. It was crazy because freshman year of college, I entered a few songs and I got honorable mention. Hmm. For I don't even remember, and they have like awards galas, and i I went to at least one of them later after this later on, when I did win a more of an actual award,
0: yep um, but that must have felt like external gratification or some kind of confirmation that you were doing what you were supposed to be doing, even getting an honorable mention as a freshman in college.
1: I was just stoked, I didn't expect a thing, but yeah. I get to this, you know, awards gala and I'm watching um people perform that have won. I'm watching the winners perform and I'm like, "Oh my god, these people are so cool. Like I could, I could never."
2: Yeah. <laughs> and
1: years later, it feels good to have confirmation of growth. That that feels really nice. And respect as well. I've gotten as you know, and as everyone will tell you from people who are actually in industri- in the industry to people who know nothing, you will get a lot of rejection
0: <laughs> Yeah, no doubt about in, the, it.
1: in this world. And it is what it is. And uh, I try not to take anything for granted. So it was yeah. just, it was amazing. I'm, I'm really proud of it. Um, so how do I'm you re- handle
0: rejection? Well, like you get a rejection letter from a songwriting contest. How do you handle it?
1: Don't take it personal. Mm-hmm. Don't take it personally. Like, I've gotten to the point where I'm confident in my abilities. Sometimes you're just not a good fit, like, for the program, or most of my accolades that you see are acoustic, folky based, or like singer songwritery. And as an artist, that's my lane. Although I'd love to be in a band that does something completely different because I love Willow Smith, for instance. I don't think I could ever sing like her. She's amazing, but I love that kind of music. That's what people see. So if I'm applying for the pop camp, none of the, you know, this year I did a lot of pop, but I also did a lot of like emotional, sad singer-songwriter, things too. That's actually the kind of person that I was that people came to me for at school. So it's maybe I need to show a little bit more in that field or whatever I want to do. It just happens. You're not going to get picked for everything.
2: Right.
1: I love writing. You know, I've, I taught at, a at and arts camp for the last two summers. Like I, I feel like I know the craft well enough. I wanted the, I wanted the writing camp didn't happen. It'll happen next time or like a different.
0: Or something thing else will happen. Yeah.
1: Different thing. I'm glad that I applied because that's all you can do. Like it's much better to try.
0: <laughs> right. Right. Keep pushing forward. So you've had some songs placed in TV shows. So how, how did that stuff come about? Uh, and are you actively seeking out sync licensing opportunities now?
2: So
1: my f- song, maybe then I've had on the show ghosted long love gone missing, which is an MTV show. Oh, nice. Uh, and to be honest, I don't know if it still exists. Like it was on there 2020,
2: 2021.
1: Yep. And I got it through Taxi Music. Do you know what that is?
0: Is it is a publishing house? I assume. Taxi Music. Yeah. I feel like I've like heard of it, but I don't.
1: Yeah, it's like an A and R thing, and you can. I mean, you have to pay to be a member, and then they have all these, you know, prompts. We're looking for this you know, for, like, a library, sync library, or placement, or sometimes, like, a label, and I submitted to something, and they decided this library called Figure & Groove took it, and then they got it on the show, and I got paid not, like, a ton of money, but a little bit of money, which was really nice, and then... When I was at Berkeley, I took a music supervision class taught by Brad Hatfield who is phenomenal. And it it was a really really fun class and he was great. And then it, it's really amazing how things come full circle like this industry really is based on being a professional nice person like <laughs> connection wise <laughs> or like being respectable like working hard (laughs) you know what I mean like definitely
0: reputation yeah I mean like networking that's a huge part of any music career it's like being a likable person being fun to be around
1: yeah reliability yeah matters um I was in his class graduated and then last year I wrote a song about um you know some of the hard stuff that was happening um Mm. in america last summer that has continued um i wrote this song on like july 6th having to do with the overturning of roe v wade and also within i was just really punched in the gut by the shooting that happened in chicago on july 4th last year yeah i I actually had that parade yeah my friend's parents were there um and it's just horrifying and i wrote this song And I put it together and I posted like a little video on Facebook and not many people saw it. And I also know I was asking for maybe some tough conversations, but I actually didn't get any pushback, which was incredible. But a different old teacher from mine from Berkeley, Stephen Kirby, who I had for multiple classes, who's lovely. He saw that song and was like, I think that would be good for Sync and let me connect you to someone. Cool. And it's so funny, he connected me back to my own teacher. Um, (laughs) And we haven't, I did nothing with that song, but I showed, I had a meeting with Brad and um, I sent him some songs that he thought could work. And so um, he, on his like library type thing, I'm forgetting words. He has my song, Wander and Half Moon Smile. Hmm. And he is one of the main composers and music supervisors for the soap opera, The Young and the Restless. And oh, yeah. my son, Wander, has been on there twice. Cool. Um, which was amazing. Sorry, that was like a lot more detail than probably needed to be no, put
0: there. No, that's totally great. I think people want to know how mm-hmm. the hell do these things even happen? Like, how do I get my song? And like, sometimes it's your you're like cold emailing with publishing houses and like hoping that somebody responds to your emails. And sometimes like in your case, you post something on social media and somebody goes, Hey, I think this would be great in sync. Let me, let me connect you to somebody. And it kind of happens a bit more organically. And I think that's really cool that that's how it happened. Are you seeking out more opportunities like that? Are you trying to build a, a sync library?
1: I would love that. Now that I'm slightly less intensely busy, I would love to focus more on that great way to make money. And also like, how amazing is that? Like to hear your your song in like a show yeah. or a movie. Like I, I'm i crying watching the show. Also it happened for the first time while I had COVID. So I'm like sitting there by myself. I go, what, two and a half years without getting it yeah. in the U.S. Yeah. And I get it. More. <laughs> yeah, Cause I'm just like, this is amazing. I'm so grateful. I would love to do more of that. I think it's an incredible opportunity. Um, so well, again.
0: and in terms of the difference between what you get paid for, let's even say, 500,000 streams on Spotify, which is, for most artists, not almost fine. unthinkable. I mean, like, even to have that much is unthinkable. And also, it's nothing. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's not nothing. It's like, you know, if you're no getting... No money.
2: Yeah, if no you're money. getting
0: cents it's like, yeah, half a million dollars or half a million plays is... Probably like thirty five hundred bucks. So it's not it's not completely nothing. If, if you're getting point zero three three four cents per play or something, then then yeah, .00. Oh,
1: it's it's like an amazing accomplishment. Like, I, I feel grateful when I see it go past like the thousand mark. Like I, I'm really happy about totally. it. Um, totally. Just The lack of us getting paid.
0: Totally, and, and that's how I feel. And like just the difference between that and something like half a million plays which seems insurmountable for a lot of people and then like you get 14 seconds of your song used on a TV show and you get 7500 bucks or something it's like this it's such a it's such a huge difference in what you can actually make which could actually blow up your song on streaming too potentially like the songs that were used in in stranger things this last year that kate bush song that just like running up that hill yeah re-exploded from the 80s or whatever and became a number one i mean it's like streaming has changed the game in that way it's like your song doesn't have to be new to be a new hit you know which which is really fascinating to me but yeah like to me that's like seeking out sync opportunities feels like a no-brainer Aside from the fact that we all have limited time and limited energy and limited resources and when you're writing music and when you're grinding and when you're learning and when you're traveling, it's obviously difficult to do all those things at once. But yeah, the sync licensing has, has been, really been an interesting avenue for me to try and chase lately too.
2: Yeah,
1: I bet. Yeah, I also love it because as a writer, I as a kid loved writing and I still do it recently. When I'm stuck, I do something like this. I used to write songs about characters, about books and movies and just anything I could get my hands on when I was a kid. I didn't do necessarily like a book quote or anything like that. But uh, my first summer teaching at Interlock, and one of the challenges I gave to kids was write a song either from the perspective or about a superhero or supervillain that already exists <laughs> or one that you want to make up. And it was it was like a lot of complaining about our groups immediately because it's an assignment and kids and then they it was like one of the best things I did in the two years. And it was so fun and so cool. And I'm kind of like, you know, this could kind of be used (laughs) like later on in life. So I, I love I think there's something amazing about connecting music to story.
0: Yeah. I really like that idea, and my entrepreneurship brain goes like, hey, that's an educational thing that could be that could be scaled as well. It's like do this workshop where students have to write about superheroes or childhood characters or whatever.
1: I'm actually right now, I'm trying to – I might as well plug this. I'm trying to start teaching lessons in one-to-ones, and I can do it on Zoom, so I want to do it um, – i can do it for anyone from anywhere and i always say one to once because anyone can write songs and it's so hard to say i'm teaching you how to write a song like that's not really how that works but that's something like i would love to do i I like to do it as you know me so i think it's fun for kids to do or whoever to do as well
0: cool well yeah i mean once i i got a couple more questions but but i will definitely link your stuff In the show notes So anybody that's listening And wants to reach out To Tegan Can can reach out um, Whatever via Instagram DMs or Or whatever uh, How do you Write a good song?
2: <laughs> uh, Here is your like
0: platform life. To give all the secrets
1: How do I solve world peace? Yes um, You have to start with the question Of what's a good song? because that is it's a subjective answer. Yep. Let me ask you this. Do you think the Cha-Cha Slide is a good song? Oh,
0: boy. I mean, I'll, I'll say no, because that's not what I imagine as a song. <laughs> that's That's not the kind of song that I would want to, I would love to have written that song from a monetary standpoint. So there's the commercial side of my brain that's like, a song could be anything that's popular. And then there's the artist side of my brain that's like, the song should should move me, it should move a listener, it should mean something, it should make people feel something. To me, that's what makes a good song. Uh, so if we come from that place, from a place of like, we're trying to make people feel something, uh, and we're trying to connect with people on a deep level, then the cha-cha slide, in my mind, doesn't count. Right that that's like doesn't meet the criteria. People have a great time with it. But it doesn't meet the criteria.
1: That's see that I also believe that you know songs could make you feel something, but people do have a good time with it. And when I think Trap just slide, I think weddings, performances yeah. like I do have a visual context in my mind or like what about Baby Shark? Like that song kind of makes me want to like punch someone in the face yep. at this point Yep. but kids love it kids love you it know. yeah they I just wrote it. a
0: whole bunch of kids music so that's definitely yeah it's like who's your who's, your who's your who's your target I mean that's definitely something you think about right it's like who who are you trying to reach is that something you think about before you write a song or are you just writing I'm
1: just writing usually I don't really think about my target audience as much if it's just for me or, and if I'm writing with someone else, it's more like, what would they want? Because I, I think that if you write something that you like, someone else will like it, especially with technology, as long as somebody can hear it. Yeah. like As long as people can hear it and they know about it, which is really, it, that's hard to do because promotion can be tough and also the music industry is so oversaturated now. Somebody will like it, so I think it's better to have integrity and someone else will respect that and want to listen to it. So I don't really think about that aspect as much. But that's the question is what do you define as good music and Cha-Cha Slide, I think is a good song personally, but I think songs can have bad lyrics and they can have bad melodies and they can be boring. Like it's you can have bad parts of a song. I'm going to say that bad songs are offensive songs. Okay that's what I'm going to define bad songs or in my personal <laughs> opinion, a music. I don't know what you're doing ah. um, or like, you know what I mean? Like extreme.
0: Oh yeah. And you know what? That's crazy too. Cause like I was going to say instrumental music can check all these boxes. It's not like instrumental yeah. music can't connect with people and can't Absolutely. make people feel something like a course. It can. Uh, and to that extent, this is this is a very this is a very like everybody's music is cool, man. But you know, it's like that is an aspect of atonal music too. Is that like there are people that that love that stuff? I I know a whole group of people. You know, there's like a whole free jazz thing that's pretty it's pretty wild. That that is difficult to listen to for most people. And i like, I'm teaching a, a history of jazz class right now. And we went through a module where like the students had to listen to a bunch of this free music and, and like understand the context in which it arose, which, you know, is late 1950s, early 1960s, the civil rights movement is about to happen. You know, Ornette Coleman has gone on the record and talked about how it was like breaking off the shackles. And, you know, it's, yeah. it's about, it was about freedom. And, and I, and, so so there's that element of it that's really deep and powerful and and important but also there's like the they're they're like straight up playing out of tune and they're like not playing in time together cuz that's part of the, what's cool about it but it's difficult it's like difficult for people that maybe aren't trained in the music to to like it and I I imagine like with classical atonal music it's the same thing it's like if you're not trained in that stuff maybe it's more difficult to enjoy whereas a classical piece like Brahms Requiem is much more overtly beautiful and easier to connect with from somebody who maybe didn't go and study music. You know what I mean? Um, Yeah. We're tangenting now a little bit, but I think that the the exercise of like, what's a good song or how do you write a good song is a great exercise.
1: Yeah. There's definitely a function for atonal music. And I'm, I was just kind of joking. Like it's, I wouldn't listen to it for fun but I understand why it exists like and I think the idea of experimenting in that kind of way is actually very freeing and imaginative so I understand why people could like it it's it's back to subjectivity it's I don't know if that's a real word um back to being (laughs) subjective um I don't love it yeah. But what else does? So that doesn't mean it's bad. And I have certain genres that I just don't love. Or I don't love everything in that genre, yeah. but I still, uh, like I say I've taught songwriting. I took songwriting classes. Um I'm still like in touch with multiple of my professors from McNally. Like I I just want to say that I loved that school. Um I think I it did made too.
0: Me a better, I mean, I was I person. was really bummed. <laughs>
1: Yeah, it made me better really person, fun. better musician. I think that all my teachers, including you, I, I felt that they were passionate about what they were teaching us, and that helped me yeah. be passionate. So thank you for that, and thank you to everyone who influenced me at that time. Yeah, um, absolutely. But me and my old songwriting teacher, Gary Rue, we were actually on the phone like a few weeks ago. I was just messaging
0: out. with Gary. That's funny.
1: I love that man so much, yeah. so much, and my lesson teacher Jeff Harrington produced my first album. Cool, I love him so. Much. I made these amazing connections there, and I actually knew him in high school. He came to visit Interlochen when I was there, the arts academy, is where I graduated from, and that's wow. where I first met him. And he actually basically was the person to convince me to come to McNally, and I think I had a short conversation. With Scott Lagier, who is life changing in the two seconds you speak to him, he's so smart it's freakish
0: and so inspiring. Yeah, so he was on the for those people listening. Scott Lagier was on the podcast like Mm -hmm. episode four or something like that, episode five, really early on.
1: Oh my god, he's incredible. Gary and I were talking about this and just like nerding out a few weeks ago because we were talking about burnout and everything and. Form is a guideline,
2: mm.
1: not a rule. In every songwriting class I've ever taken, you know, verse, chorus, bridge, chorus, whatever, A-A-B-A, A-A-A, um, you know, you learn that, and you go, this is what this is, this is what this is, this is what this is. Same with theory, same with theory. This is, you know, what you're learning. And then there's classical where you have rules, rules, but once you learn the rules, it's really fun to break them. As long as you can pull it off,
0: yeah, um, and that's ultimately the- what it's all about, yeah, right is like finding finding the rules and then and then bending them and that and that's essentially how you find your own uniqueness in form and yep. and in harm and in, in your approach to harmony i i have a I have a question you're writing a pop song,
2: mm-hmm. right?
0: are you starting with the chorus sometimes, yeah.
1: Sometimes, that's, you know, I think when we were there, that was what was kind of drilled into what we should be doing.
0: Yeah. Um, because of the, like, short attention span of the internet, because people skip songs on Spotify, like, like it like, feels like that's the reason, right? Like, we got to hit you with the most catchy part of the song right away, or people will skip the song.
1: Or wait, oh, you mean, like, starting the song with the starting chorus?
0: Starting the song. Like, not oh. start writing the chorus first. So that's what you were saying, right? Writing the chorus first? Yeah. Yeah. Like, the song, I mean, maybe a broken down version of the chorus, maybe, you know what I mean? Like, not the biggest version of the chorus, but like, yeah, like, are you starting the beginning of the song with the chorus?
1: Honestly, I think that's a good idea. Sometimes it's just you less is you want to leave them wanting more so sometimes it's a little weird depend also like chronologically with what you're gonna say sometimes that's weird um but i actually no that's not we didn't do a lot of that we the last song i did there we did um i don't think we did that in any other song and i have done that with my songs before um because i I think it's a good idea depending on when, like I said, what order you want to say things in, because that's kind of like here's the overarching thing do you want to start with details or do you want to start with the message of the song so or like, you
0: think of like the the verse as something that sets up the content of the chorus
1: yeah, sometimes or, I mean if we're going by guidelines yeah. uh, or half chorus in the beginning, some sort of like intro kind of thing it's i've been kind of paying attention to trends lately and things are i've seen some weird stuff and i'm really excited about it and i've kind of pitched this a few times in my sessions and no one's gone for it Hmm. which i think it's a good idea about damn time lizzo and as it was harry styles both of them in the second verse do this weird talk thing that's not like a verse and you remember it like in a minute, I'm gonna need a sentimental. Like that doesn't sound anything like the first verse. Yep. Just talking has nothing to do with anything. I mean, it does lyrically, but and that's awesome, and you don't even notice. What, and I think what that's is,
0: really cool. could, What is the Harry Styles song again?
1: As it was, As it was, he, was. he like randomly talks.
0: Yeah,
1: like okay. da 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 da. I mean, it's not talks. It's like talk sing. I wouldn't necessarily call. He's more singing there, but it it's random like yeah nothing to do with the first verse at all yeah I hope I'm getting that right um I'm not I haven't been as into his like last album as I was the first one yeah but it's still weird like what he puts in there and I love it like I, I like- keep
0: seeing his name and I just haven't listened it's like possible that I know some of his music maybe just from osmosis but I haven't like purposefully gone and listened to Harry Styles yet. All like and I do like pop music, you know, it's like I listen to um What's his? Name? He's got perfect pitch and synesthesia like you.
1: Is it Charlie Puth? Charlie Puth.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And to me that's like super vanilla super deliciously vanilla pop, you know what I mean? Which Yeah. Like I, you know, it's like I I graduated high school in 2003, so it was like Insync, Backstreet Boys, Britney Spears. I mean, that's like deliciously vanilla pop, you know. And so, like, that was on, especially Insync. Like, I was a, I was a fan of Insync and listened to Insync a bunch. And then, I like, you know, of course, started studying jazz, and it was like you're not allowed to listen to anything else. So I was like, okay, I don't listen to anything other than Louis Armstrong and Miles Davis and Clifford Brown. Lately, I've been like, I saw Charlie Puth on like Jimmy Fallon or something. I was like, this dude's awesome. I got to check this out. So I started listening. And I do, uh, I do enjoy it, but yeah, not hairstyles yet.
1: Yeah, I find it interesting how you felt like you couldn't listen to other things. It's I find that I have to,
2: mm-hmm. like
1: now I have to because I think that I learn a lot from other things. Yeah. Or production-wise, I start with stripped song in my head as a songwriter. I've never pr- producing is hard for me. Like the. Thinking about everything because I get overwhelmed by options, and then I always end up going with less is more, no matter what I do.
2: Yeah.
1: Recently, I love live instruments. That was actually one of the more of the struggles in this program. Is a lot of people are um, doing a lot of like EDM and or like not necessarily not necessarily, but I'm one of the people who really wants to play guitar right. on something. You know what I mean? Like or piano, and that doesn't always happen. It's a lot of plugins and loops. Right. And nothing against it and like oh my god things sound so real (laughs) (laughs) um
0: that's pretty amazing uh, yeah
1: freaks me out but i actually recently for an assignment i got on logic and i'm a logic fan oh nobody used pro tools there nobody which i thought was very strange just to me because most people i knew use pro tools i don't believe that that's you know the Best one. People get really heated about that, which I find weird. Yes, Um, they do. um, Chill. Like they, they're all they're all so similar. They just have like slightly different like purposes.
2: Yeah. (laughs) Um, Yeah.
1: But I like Logic. I grew up using Logic. I think it's intuitive. I think it's prettier than Pro Tools, which I know sounds kind of stupid, but like when I'm looking it's like more colorful and I color code no matter what DAW I'm looking at but I, I don't know I just like it better I think it's more intuitive
0: yeah it's better with I plugins just, yeah. and stuff too definitely yeah yeah cool so what's what's coming up for you what do you got going on you just you you said you've you've got a whole bunch of music that you've written are you are you thinking of releasing any of it I wrote
1: three songs that I really, really loved while I was there for myself. I, I amazingly did songs for other people or with other people, but three songs. Well, I wrote songs that I like for myself, but eventually I'd like to put out another album, which there should be a support group for people who release albums. Mm. That's so stressful. Yep. I don't know when it's going to happen, but if you, at least one of the songs that I wrote this year i'd like it to be on that so i'm kind of saving it cool but i wrote two songs at least two to three that i want as singles two of them i'm focusing on now they're very different and one of them i've done in a way that i've never done before i did it i've never released a song myself that i've co-written for me Hmm. ever and that's one of them we had like song a day kind of a assignment. Sometimes we'd write like three to four songs a week, wow. and sometimes we'd have yeah, um, we'd have a song too that night. And I was put in a group with two incredible women. Which when it comes out, I'll talk more about everybody. But I've never worked with a woman producer. Yeah, and I'm in the room with two writers, but they actually both produce, and. Working with women is just so spectacular.
0: Yeah. (laughs) Um, Nice.
1: It's just I feel my main producer is a man and I love him, but it's really nice sometimes to just it's like a different situation for me as a woman. But yeah, I bet. They co-wrote the song with me and I love it. And we actually used my synesthesia. I don't. Are you a Pinterest person? I feel like most people I know are not.
0: I'm not. I know somebody who was one of the first one hundred employees there. He's one of our investors with Gig Boss, but I like in terms of using Pinterest, no, I haven't really.
1: Well that's cool. That's a flex. Um, flex <laughs> Um One of, we did have mentors come in and talk to us and do like classes and stuff. And one of our mentors, her name was her name is Dagny. She's an incredible Norwegian pop artist and she was just so fun. And one of the things that she well, our main like challenge assignment before we wrote the song was to make a Pinterest board mm. for the song like colors, images, instruments, and also for our brand like you know colors for that album or us or like makeup, clothes like what do we want to look like performing like everything you can think of and mm. I loved it because I'm in you know image based right. person. When it comes to my art and it was super fun and I created something with all the colors I saw in my mind and these images and I showed them to these producers and writers and for once <laughs> I got interviewed <laughs> about <laughs> what we were writing about which is weird during the tables we talked for a really long time and we created a song for me and that's one of the one of the songs and then the other one I did by myself in my usual process i had a guitar in hand and i was just singing and yeah i'm really really stoked about those i haven't released songs since our garden so it's been like a year
0: yeah wow you know there's a couple things you said that i really like as like exercises for people that are creating their own projects and one of them is just throwing everything up on a board what do we want to look like what do we want our color scheme to be it's like that's a really interesting approach to like creating a product especially yeah. if you're going to be somebody who's like trying to blow up stages and really like play big shows i really like that idea and then the other thing you said that i thought was really cool that's difficult of course is to have to write almost a song a day or three four or five songs in a week i think people get stuck writing and so being forced to, f- to just be like, all right, there it was. Like, we wrote the song. It's over. Let's move on to the next one quick. <laughs> it's a great exercise to help you get out of your own way and just get something out. And I felt like early on when I was writing early on as a composer that, like, I had to get into that mindset of, I just need to write this and get it out because I I know that it's actually not going to be the best thing. Maybe it-, maybe it will be. There's definitely a chance. But at that stage in my development as a writer, I knew like I'm going to write this and it's going to make me better. And then the next thing I write, will have elements of that, but it'll be better than the last thing. Right. And so that's the idea is that you're like compounding experience and compounding these these writing experiences into what may end up being a great song down the road. Or maybe something in there is something that hits. It's like you never really know what's going to what's going to hit. Yeah, but yeah, Yeah. it's like uh, yeah, cool exercise.
1: Yeah, yeah, I something I did there, and it is a it's a pop thing, I guess. This has never been my process in a billion years, and now I I did it for most of the time there, and it helped with the process of compressing, condensing things in for time. Yep. Uh, Yeah, it's kind of like reaction, you know, like you have to get your mind going, which can be stressful. But like, when I was a kid, I used to be able to write songs like that. Now it's not as much, but it can be a really good exercise. It can also be tough. But we what we would do is create a loop or guitar, whatever kind of progression. And a lot of times oh, no bridges. I have written almost no bridges while I was there. I like bridges. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I just it just out of my vocabulary. I, I don't know why. Um which was partially I think to save time for our like assignments. Sure. But um was kind of strange.
0: Well also. a bridge oftentimes feels like this thing that is related but it is significantly different in some way than yeah. the rest of the song. So it's it's different than coming up with a verse and a chorus, which a lot of times you can just use like a feel change to make the chorus feel different and use similar chord progression as the verse. Yeah. Whereas with a bridge, it's like you really want it to be a departure and that that would obviously take more time, more work.
1: Yeah, that it's a break. Yeah. It's it's something different so you don't get bored or whatever. Like I love that's why I like it. I think it can be weird and different. Always post choruses, no bridges. Sometimes bridges, but a lot of Always a post. I so I swear. what's a
0: a post chorus is like an element of the chorus repeated or something like that.
1: Yeah, I'm trying to think of an example here. There's this Charlie XCX song called "Good Ones," and it's like, "I always let the good ones go," and that's like her repetition at the end and i would count that as like a post-chorus right. so something catchy at the end that gets you back in your head or like if I, I mean i'm nerding out now but lewis capaldi who i love so much he's so funny yep, um, yep. and he cracks me up and then his music is like heartbreaking which i i really respect he has a song how i'm feeling now i think it is yeah. it's like i think if i'm thinking of the right song his pre-chorus becomes part of the post or part of the chorus. Yeah. And I think that's so cool. Um, Is that the one
0: about the, I just found him recently. Yeah. I didn't know of his music and I found him because people were like crying to one of his songs. There was like a <laughs> try not to cry during this Lewis Capaldi song. <clears throat> and I, and they were like, it can't be that. And then people would be bawling after, you know, and it was about like yeah. a guy who lost his dog or something like that.
1: <laughs> that Might've been it. Yeah. yeah. It was I, a good song. No, I can't watch that. I like, I, he manipulated or repeated that I think in that song and I thought that was super cool. I got off topic but what we do is talk about what we want to write the song about, write down key words, key phrases and then get on the loop, get on whatever we're doing and top line. So just sing melodies yeah. whatever you can think of loop it and use words and phrases and it's so important when you're when you're doing that to use words and phrases and not just ooze or laws or whatever. I've gotten admonished for that because sometimes it can be difficult. But like saying nonsense also works. Half the time I'm singing things that make absolutely no sense. But we did that all the time. And then you listen to all the loops and you pick what you like together and you write lyrics to those things. and. If I'm by myself, that's not my choice process. I like instrument in hand singing at the same time, like everything at the same time, but it's very interesting. That's what we we did a lot of there. And also one of our mentors, he said, if you're writing a chorus or if, you, if you're writing a verse that starts on the one, make sure your chorus doesn't like huh. try doing it on like two or like on the offbeat, whatever. And vice versa, like if you're gonna do two sections next to each other Try starting them on a different beat and I thought that was very interesting. And so yeah that, I'm thinking about verses and courses. I always At least try it because sometimes it doesn't matter or like doesn't work whatever but I always think about it now no matter who I'm writing for myself or whatever um, I think it's an interesting way of Making things interesting.
0: (laughs) Yeah, I love that idea. I'm writing it down so I don't forget. I've been writing a ton of songs, like these children's songs, of course. I wrote like nine children's songs in two weeks, which was insane. And then some of them, like three or four of them, I think are really good. So I'm like, man, I'm going to record these and put them out, you know, for fun. But it's like we did that just because somebody goes, uh, we did this little children's music thing for fun because now we've got kids, of course, and like my wife and I are both musicians. And so we just started making up songs around the house and we Mm -hmm. thought like, oh, we could do a little kids, kids music hang kind of thing. And we did that last year. And then this summer, somebody reached out and they said, you guys do kids music, right? Do you want to do a festival? And we were like, sure. So there was this little festival in town. And we got paid a bunch of money and played duo. You know, played this little set of. So I, I frantically was like, oh no, I need to write like seventy-five minutes of children's songs. Like we don't, like we don't have seventy-five minutes of music. So, so I wrote a whole bunch. Uh, but yeah, so I kind of lived your uh, a song a day in real life a little bit.
1: That's so fun. I yeah. I would love to. I love musicals also like I think that I'm not a huge country music listener so I'm about to kind of like be a hypocrite well I don't know like <laughs> country music and musicals best songwriting there huh. is and I think kids music also because you have to be so creative you have to be catchy yeah. like and lyrics like I think it's so so fun when we were kid, me and my sister when we were kids we grew up on VeggieTales oh yeah which I uh, and like it's pretty funny because I think that's a Christian animation. Um,
0: yes, I think it is.
1: <laughs> I still remember those songs. Well, partially, my sister. She, I'm a twin. I don't know if you know that, I but didn't know that. I'm a twin. I'm six minutes younger, and her name. She's actually named after the. Her name's Rhiannon after the Fleetwood Mac song. But she has autism and she's nonverbal and she's very smart. She just she uses this thing called a letter board to communicate. Basically, it's like a cardboard rectangle, and she points to letters and numbers. Mm-hmm. Incredibly smart, she just can't respond back verbally. She understands everything you say, and but sometimes she likes to listen to old kids' music that we. I, I'm not sure why. Maybe it's comforting. She'll have things on repeat to the point of, like, I want to smash the iPad. Yeah. You know. So yeah. Listen to things anymore, but she listens to VeggieTales, and I remember that, and that slaps. Like, sure. Honestly, some of those songs slap. And I wish I could rate stuff like that. So kudos to you. That's super cool.
0: Yeah, it's fun. It was fun for sure. And we'll see. Maybe it'll, maybe it'll come out someday. That's uh, how you blow up. <laughs> yeah. It's like, that would be the silly. When I started doing the podcast too, I thought like, I'm, I, I enjoy this a lot. I'm good at it. I do enjoy having these conversations a lot. I've learned a lot throughout the process but I did think like man if this blows up and not my music I'm not going to be happy about it maybe I'll be happy about it but it's like come on man like I could see this getting bigger and, and then me yeah. no it's like my my number one thing has always been like I want to create I want to make music I want to whatever in whatever style genre it's like I just want to I want to be making music yeah yeah so I'll uh, I'll link your stuff in the show notes if anybody wants to reach out to Tegan's talking about doing some some hangs some songwriting hangs so if you're looking for that kind of guidance uh tegan's there and thank you for taking the time to talk to me welcome back to the states and i'm glad you're like feeling better and up and about and everything
1: yeah thank you so much for having me i was so excited and honored when you messaged me i think you are so cool and i'm really honored to be here
0: (laughs) well thanks cool awesome Looking forward to hearing what you got coming. Yeah. All right. Thank you so much for listening to my conversation with Tegan. If you haven't already, please follow the show wherever you listen to podcasts. I'm going to leave you with Tegan's entire song, Our Garden.